You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, your host. And with me today is Dr. Carmen E. Guerra, Assistant Professor of Medicine in the Division of General Internal Medicine at the Pennsylvania School of Medicine. Dr. Guerra, welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. Today we're talking about racial and cultural diversity in medical schools and residency programs with a look at the benefits and challenges in diversifying these classes. Dr. Guerra, tell us about diversity in medicine, specifically the training of a diverse medical school and residency program such as UPenn. Sure. The efforts that we have at the University of Pennsylvania to increase health staff diversity stemmed about three years ago when, much to our dismay, out of a group of incoming interns, 50 categorical interns, we had just one single minority match. And it was a complete, I think, shock for all of us at the school who are very interested in increasing the numbers of underrepresented minorities at the school. And it was a wake-up call to do something about it. And many of us minority faculty got together at that point, approached the chair and the dean, and they were very supportive of, of any efforts that we might recommend to them, at which point we thought that we should create a committee to examine this issue, a committee to promote house staff diversity is what we're called. And we've come together monthly ever since then to try to understand the root of the problem and to intervene. And what we found was that there was no coordinated effort to recruit the students from medical schools that were underrepresented minorities. They would come, look at our school, and basically walk away with whatever impressions were made at that point. And that impression may have included not ever even meeting or seeing a minority faculty member. And so we thought that we needed to begin by making sure that when we had applicants come to see our school, that the minority faculty already here be involved with their interviews and that they feel a sense of connection with those of us here. We knew that at the time these students were choosing programs where there was a, a much more systematic effort by the school to do similar things like make them feel welcome, make them feel wanted. And I think, unfortunately, you know, we might have gotten a little too comfortable on our laurels and might have thought that the Ivy League reputation was enough to attract these students, but it wasn't. If you're just tuning in with us, my guest is Dr. Carmen E. Guerra. We've been talking about diversity in medicine and medical training programs. And that raises the question about the value of diversity. How does the University of Pennsylvania measure the value in diversity? Well, I think there's lots of ways. I think there's benefits not only that we see directly to the patients that we care for, but now there's even literature to suggest that there's studies that show that increasing house diversity among trainees or students is actually a good thing for everyone involved in those programs. People become motivated to understand other people's points of view, for example. They've even measured the ability to conduct complex thinking, and they find that students who are in a diverse environment are better equipped and that there's a better understanding of the differences in uh, cultural environments. So because there's direct benefits to both minorities and non-minorities, I think training programs and schools seek to improve diversity. We know that there's a lot of health disparities right now in almost every disease measurable that 
minorities carry the burden of a lot of diseases and the mortality from those diseases. And one particular report in 2002 from the Institute of Medicine, Unequal Treatment, it was called Confronting Racial and Ethnic Disparities in Healthcare, Unequal Treatment, really put those disparities on the map and described those. And since then, other efforts like the annual uh, report of healthcare disparities by the Agency of Healthcare Quality and Research begins to measure how severe are those disparities so that we can do something about that. And so one of the efforts I think that we'd like to pursue and continue to improve is to increase this human capital, um, as the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation calls it, of physicians who are from similar backgrounds and that represent the U.S. population. What is it about race and culture that will allow for disparity in delivery and receipt of care despite economic status? I think that that's an excellent question because the two are very closely linked. Often racial and ethnic minorities are from disadvantaged economic backgrounds. And what we think, however, though, is that there are separate, there's an independent contribution made by race and culture. Language, for example, many patients without a physician who's able to speak their language feel that they cannot have the same relationship that you and I might be able to enjoy with our physicians. There's also traditional beliefs as to family, for example. There's groups where family is very much the center of their home. And so interacting with the single patient sometimes is not the model that's best for that person. Similarly, there are biologic differences people have proposed in response to drugs that different groups will have, different racial groups. So understanding what those differences are, I think that culture and race and ethnicity contribute an independent difference. And if those differences are ignored, then the physician may not be as effective as possible. And finally, there's also a different belief system that culture gives. For example, the belief in alternative medicines or herbal medicine. There are certain groups where that's very prominent. And without an understanding of that, then physicians are at a loss to potentially see For example, drug interactions between an herbal product and a traditional medication. My guest today is Dr. Carmen E. Guerra, Assistant Professor of Medicine in the Division of General Internal Medicine at the Pennsylvania School of Medicine. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable, and I'm your host, Dr. Matt Bernholtz. We discussed the University of Pennsylvania's challenge in diversifying its incoming intern class, What progress has been made since? Sure. As I said, that year where we matched just one house staff member of an underrepresented group, we began to meet regularly and try to get buy-in from the rest of the players involved, the rest of the selection committee, the dean of the medical school, the department chair, and, and, and fortunately, we were met with enthusiasm and support. And so some of the things that we went on to accomplish was to not only change the perception of that applicant during the day that they came to the University of Pennsylvania. But we also tried to establish programs where we would reach, for example, into the pipeline, so to speak. And so we're very excited to try to get to their impression way before even their interview date. In addition, we also 
developed a mentoring program. And one of the things that we realized was that these house staff were coming in, and as you well know, internship year can be a very isolating year with the amount of work that they're given. And so this mentoring program has created a match between each uh, incoming intern of an underrepresented minority with a faculty member already here. And that faculty member can be used in whatever way the uh, house staff desires, whether it just be meeting for a casual lunch here and there to actually discussing troubling issues that they might encounter during their time on the wards, you know, for example, ethical issues, to discuss career choices, to discuss research opportunities. Those are some of the ways that the mentor has been used at this point. And in addition, we also try to create social events so that they can see one another and the rest of the faculty. So all of this wasn't in existence before. So I think before all this, it might have been a very isolating experience, lonely experience to be of an underrepresented minority group, come to Penn, spend three years here in the Department of Medicine without having made those important social connections. Now that leads to two questions. One, is the notion of a mentoring program a good idea for all interns? And two, is there a concern that this might lead to a fragmentation of the medical staff and house staff based on ethnic or other cultural identification? Yeah, absolutely. I think those are both really good questions as well. To the first point, I agree. I think that it's taken Penn a long time to realize how important mentoring is. It wasn't until the mid-1990s where some people here, including Jerry Johnson and others, found that mentoring is good for everyone, not just underrepresented minorities. And the chair at that time began a program where each incoming faculty member would have a senior mentor because mentoring has been shown to be one of the markers of success in an academic medical center. So I agree, and this is a point that unfortunately hasn't been carried out to all of the incoming interns, but I think that it should be. And then your question about differential treatment of the incoming house staff. That is a concern. And in fact, we have been working with the legal offices at Penn so that we don't do this reverse discrimination that you're referring to. Not so much reverse discrimination, but more pushing the minority students to create separate identities within the staff instead of making each member feel part of the bigger staff. Yes. I think that we always leave it up to the actual intern or resident to choose how much participation they want in this program. And this is a completely voluntary program that they decide. And if they feel like this is a group they want to participate in, we're delighted. And if they feel that they want to belong to one larger group, then that's fine too. And in fact, I've been a mentor now for three years, as I was explaining earlier, and I've had both scenarios. I've had the scenario where somebody did want to work closely for various reasons. It, it ended up being a good match. And the other interns where we met once for our lunch and then they decided they don't feel a need to have this additional support. What has been the response from outside of Penn, specifically from other Ivy League schools? Were you really setting a new standard? I think the response actually we felt that we were not the first program. By the time we got organized to begin this program, we knew there were others who had discovered the means of making um, recruitment much more successful when it came to these applicants. And so we're not the last. We certainly are far from that, but we were not the first. And so what happens now is that we have these all these Ivy League medical schools competing for this very, very small pool of applicants. The current numbers that I saw on a AAMC statistics for 
enrollment of medical students who are underrepresented minority estimates that about 6% of the current matriculants are African American and another 6% are Latinos or Hispanic. And so we have very few for which there's a lot of welcoming institutions. And so it's put us in a position where we are really competing against the top medical schools. And one of the, I think, benefits that we have is is certainly our community, which is another item we have been developing relationships with through our committee. And that's we have a wonderful community here in West Philadelphia of predominantly underrepresented minorities, West Philadelphia in particular, I think is 70-something percent now um, African-American. And so we're developing community partnerships. We're establishing clinics for the medical students who want to work with that population and health staff that wants to work for that population. And I think that's definitely a strength that we have that not all institutions have in their possession to offer. I want to thank Dr. Carmen Guerra, who's been our guest, and we have been discussing the benefits of diversity in medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Bernholz. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.